When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. Hey everybody, John Ramey, it's the Wolfpack Podcast, Spring Season Review Edition. In this one, we'll talk to football head coach Jay Norvell, soccer head coach Aaron Otagaki, volleyball head coach Lee Nelson, and we'll also check in with the new men's basketball coach Steve Alford. Football, soccer, and volleyball are all wrapping up their spring sessions, so we check in with those head coaches about where they are as they head into the summer and falls right around the corner. And we talk to Coach Alford about establishing the Wolfpack basketball program with his specific style and culture. Here's the football coach, Jay Norvell. Coaches, administrators, student-athletes, are constantly working to perfect the process. But fans, people in the community, interested parties, they follow the results. And so I live kind of astride that because I have to report the results, but I have to understand the process and explain it to them. So I'm guessing you were more concerned about the process of the spring. But let's just say you had bullet points for results you wanted for the spring. Let's say see some quarterbacks, figure out who's going to play safety, um, integrate new players into the system. What were those hypothetical bullet points, goals, and did you hit them? I, I think, yeah, it was a successful spring in, in many regards. So much is about the process that you talk about, but what, what the goal of our spring is is to have 15 competitive practices to where we put a lot of players in situations to where they have to find themselves out of it. And – um you know, part of that is second-team linemen that never been through spring get beat on for 15 practices against a really quality defensive line. Quarterbacks have to perform without uh, in-contact drills and get tackled in scrimmage situations. Um, young safeties get put in, you know, every third-down situation, two-minute situations, um, red zone situations for 15 practices so it's a culmination of all those repetitions 
that really determine how successful your spring was um, and keeping guys healthy. It's always a thin, thin line. You know, you try to work them as much as you can, but you also you want to get them through the practices so they can have a competitive spring game. And and uh, we were able to do that. So I was really I mean, we had about 150 snaps. Um, you know, we try to handicap the spring game to really test everybody. And I thought we did that. Um, and there was a, a lot of big plays. Uh, a lot of guys showed a lot of things that they're capable of doing. And I think um, it pretty much showed what we were seeing all spring long. We don't have to talk about specifically the quarterback, but let's talk about individuals who maybe you wanted to see certain things from in the spring that now you've seen them and now you know a little bit better what you're dealing with. Well, I really wanted to see our offensive line. I wanted to see our offensive line work every day, be physical, and we have really good leadership there with Jake Nelson and Nate Brown. Um, our young centers, you know, Nate Edwards uh, had a good spring, and, and but, but we're inexperienced there, which is kind of showed up in the spring game. We weren't as smooth. We, we took us a little bit to get going. Um, wanted to see our backs. Our backs were, were physical runners. Really wanted to see our young receivers step up. Guys like Melquan Stovall did a really had a really good spring. Uh, Cooks and Dubs elevated their game. You know, uh, defensively, I, I just love the depth in our defensive line. Um, I wanted to see Chris Green uh, and, and and Dominic Peterson work every day, and they did that. And with a mature. Uh, experienced defensive line coach that's had a lot of great players and held them to a high standard to how to perform every day. Um, and I wanted to see our linebacker and crew. I, I, you know, we we looked at Lucas Weber at Mike and we moved Gabe out to Sam and and uh, experimented with some looks there. Malik Brody is a guy that's been – we moved from running back a couple years ago and now he's really showing up at linebacker. And, and so we're seeing some maturity there. You know, we had a lot of young guys in the back end playing – we had some injuries back there. Daniel Brown didn't play. Um, you know, EJ Muhammad didn't play. You know, we'll get those guys back in the fall, and we should be more experienced because of all the repetitions we got in the secondary. So we're more athletic back there, just not as experienced. So a lot of things we wanted to see, and then the quarterbacks, all the situations we put them in. And, you know, we moved the ball regardless of what quarterback was in the game. And so that was positive. Now it's just a matter of them cleaning up their game and, and re really preparing for the fall. I want to nerd out a little bit. Uh, you're talking about moving Gabe Sewell uh, from – he was Mike, the middle, yeah. and you want to put it Sam strong side and then mm -hmm. move Weber to the middle. Mm -hmm. Why? And, and what does that do? I just think um, um, really just moving uh, Gabe outside. I think Gabe has really improved every year that we've had him. Uh, he's a more physical player. He's a he's become a better blitzer, and so we're able to add him on. You know, in a three down front, many times we add a backer on to make it make him the fourth rusher. And Gabe's really shown that he can be disruptive. He's a decent pass rusher. He can blitz the quarterback, and so we've just really used him in that role this spring. And I think it enhances our whole linebacking core. You know, Lucas is a really experienced. He can be in the middle. He can make all the calls. And then Brody's an athletic guy who can who can kind of pressure from the weak side. So that's been really good for us. 
Um, you know, we're, we're working different combinations in the back end, peppering the safeties with experience. And uh, I like our combination on defense right now. There's a lot of significance assigned to year three in coaching uh, tenures. Uh, the, the thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the thinking is first year you're inheriting somebody else's program and you really have to till the earth. The second year you got some roots in the ground. Uh, with your culture and, and what you're doing with your program. And then the third year, it's kind of you have the continuity, you have the momentum. But you guys messed up, went and won eight games last year in year two and uh, won a bowl game. So what's a reasonable expectation with regard to maybe the record this year? I know you guys talk about process, not results, but what's a number maybe fans should have in mind, maybe you have in mind? I just think uh... – Every time you walk on the field, you want to show improvement and get better. And, you know, in college football, you have graduation. You have people that have to learn new positions. Um, you know, and we've pressed the envelope there, uh, trying to really recruit and and get be competitive at every position. You know, I, I don't think uh, – I think we've been pretty clear since we got here. We want to build a foundation. We want to recruit high school players. We want to, to develop them in our weight room and on the practice field, and we want to develop them into championship players. So that process continues. Uh, I think we're more physical in both lines, which makes us more competitive week in and week out. I think we're, we, we're developing really talented, skilled players that have played in big games. Now we have more experience. You know, and our goal is to press to win the championship, to, to beat the teams in our division, which means we got to beat Fresno. We got to beat San Diego State. We got to beat UNLV, Hawaii. Those are the teams that we got to beat to advance to the championship game. And, and that's what we have our sights on, and, and uh, I, I think we're getting closer every day to being in that position. Just observing your tenure as I've been here, the first year it was above-the-line behavior, mm-hmm. right? You, you wanted to establish a standard of performance, and that's a phrase I got from that Bill Walsh book that yeah. I know you and I both like, yeah. score takes care of itself. You wanted to no get that standard of performance in place for year one. Year two, you talked about physicality and style of play, uh, violence and speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now what is it going to be for year three? I just think, uh, you know, we, we want a room full of young men that are totally compelled and committed to winning a championship. And that's, that's the biggest thing that we want. We want the standard of excellence to be brought out of everybody in the room. And uh, we want to attack it and work at it that way every day. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I've been really fortunate as a coach to be in great programs. And uh, when you are and when you're in professional sports, you know, there's a standard of how you work every day. And there's an expectation of what is expected of you. And uh, we talk about that constantly. You know, we're, we're, we're continuing to press each player in our room to be his very best. And, and when we can do that collectively and all be on the same page, that's when special things begin to happen. I think we tapped into that last year. The, cha- the, the, the bowl game was such so encouraging for me as a coach because the key players in that game were backup players that, that had been listening and practicing and preparing for their opportunity. And when they got it, they, they were at their best when they were most needed. So that's the goal of a program, to have everybody prepared, have everybody pitch in. And at different points of the season, we have different people step up and do what's needed to win. Yeah, the bowl game victory was a, 
was a culture championship win for you guys. There's no question. I don't think there's any question that it was a tough game for us. We were up against a formidable opponent that had been in a lot of bowl games, and we found a way to win. We didn't give in. We didn't give up. We kept on chipping, chopping wood, and and uh, by by the end of the fourth quarter, you found ourselves in a tie game and going into overtime to have a chance to win it. So um, I just think it was a great tribute to our coaches and players to do what we always do. You know, from day one in training camp, we put in certain things. We want to run to the ball. We want to play with great effort. We want to be physical. We want to execute our most basic plays. And that's those are the things that won us the bowl game. One of the best parts about talking to Jay Norvell is that I can kind of ask you about pro football stuff. You, you got experience in pro football. Yeah. You're on an NFL roster. You coached in the league. What do you think of the draft? Fascinating. You know, it, I knew you'd say it, it's really fascinating. And, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Uh, you know, how do you place value? How do you place value on athletic ability? How do you place value on character? How do you place value on the long-term production of a player? And How do you know how somebody's going to be as a professional who's never been a professional? It's, very, it's a great question, and, and different people have different philosophies. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting that, that so, so much of the, the, the process is comparison. And so many professional players and scouts and general managers compare a player to a player in the past. And uh, that's one thing I really learned from Al Davis is he'd ask you, who's he like? You know, who's this guy like? And and uh, you'd have to have an answer for him and it'd have to be accurate. And, and uh, you'd have to be very careful with that comparison because you were held accountable for it. So um, I think it's fascinating process. You know, you, you really have to understand the history of the draft and why certain players are picked at certain levels. The quarterback position is just is just changed so much because of the style of play. The the spread offense has allowed a more athletic uh, ball handler uh, to be able to have success in the National Football League. To whereas before those those guys were stuck in a pocket, and so a shorter player couldn't be successful and now what we're seeing because of the spread offenses that are coming from college that an an undersized athletic guy that has crafty ball handling skills and ability to throw from funny body positions can really have a lot of success in the national football league and and the classic pocket passer isn't the only guy that has success so it's fascinating it's a combination of of coaching and and players that are allowing these guys. That's why base, baseball skills are so important at the quarterback position. A guy that's a middle infielder can have success at quarterback because he's always he's catching and throwing and 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 throwing bubbles and short passes and and uh, so it's 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 a fascinating process to watch. Do you talk to your guys about that? I mean, presumably, nearly every player you recruit has aspirations to play professionally. I, I think that's a fair statement. So. I mean, do you talk to these guys? Hey, look, this is how teams assess you when you go on to the next level. This is what you'll be asked to do. This is what you're going to have to do when called upon. There's no doubt. And matter of fact, I, I was just talking to the team this morning. I mean, you know, the New England Patriots, when they come and scout a guy, they might set up a meeting with them across town 
and 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 see if the guy can make it there on time. And I like that. And, and I mean, it's just a, it's they're just testing the guy to see if he's countable, if see if he can be dependable. And 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 you in this world when we're when we're all pressed to, for production, you have to have dependable people. If you don't have dependable people they're going to let you down when you most need them. So that's why character is so, so important. And, you know, I love, I love studying baseball because baseball, when you play as many games as, as professional baseball players, the, the player with high character performs on a consistent level day in and day out. And, and so character is so important in our game as well because of the physicality of football, you need you need men that are going to play hard, that are going to play through injury, that are going to be there when you need them, and um, and that's why character is such a premium. That's the football coach Jay Norvell. I caught up with Aaron Otagaki, coach EO. Of the soccer team, they finished last year 4-13-2. They got off to a great start in the non-conference. They've just concluded a very successful springtime, going 4-1. and one. And they have two returning all-league players in Kylie Minimission and Kendall Stovall. So here's Coach EO. You were 4-1 and one in the spring season. Did that match your expectations, and how did you get there? I think it was a, um, a really good spring for our kids. Um, after the um, fall season, we kind of assessed where we were in terms of what goals we hit and what goals we didn't hit in the, in the fall. Um, and then from there, kind of like we adjusted our goals and, and what is it that we wanted to do in the spring. And so even if um, just looking at it, we had some spring goals of, you know, wanting to win first, second balls, winning 60 to 70 percent of our first, second balls, meaning every time the ball's up in the air, are we getting our head or foot on the first one? And then after the first one, are we the next person to it? And it tends to be if you're winning first, second balls, you tend to win the game or at least dominate the game. Um, that's where we wanted to be. So we concentrated a couple. Um, others was seven shots on goal, um, no goals off set pieces and, and, and win all five games. Um, and we did a pretty good job of, of, of hitting most of those goals. Um, I thought confidence-wise for our kids, um, you know, uh, getting those wins under their belt um, helped them, um, I, I think, build the confidence heading into the, into the summer of, like, this is what we're training for, is to win and win consistently. Um, and so that was really exciting for us. No goals off set pieces. That's, I mean, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we, we set the goal of, of we don't want that. I think it's the one thing that when you go into set pieces, it's, it's – um, it's the one thing we can kind of control to a point because you can set up for it. Sure. You know, in soccer, yeah. it's pretty organic. So, yeah. you know, we can't – in some other sports, you can kind of like – the coach has more say in terms of timeouts. You can time out something and then, you know, run a play. And, and soccer is a little bit more um, in the sense of organic. And I mean that just in the sense of it doesn't – it's not um, – we can't draw up a play. Um, and so that the kids have to be very, very organized. And when they're uh, physically tired um, and when their legs start to go in terms of the fitness levels and the demands of the game is can their brain still be on without me having to say, okay, hey, this is where you need to be. They have to be thinking on, on, on their toes. And so for us, it's like if we can be excellent at set pieces and not give those up, it's one way just to um, build confidence, confidence of we can do this mentally and we're in the game both uh, uh, attacking-wise and, and defensively. It's been a positive trend under your stewardship, the program mm -hmm. is trending up. Um, what's the next step for you guys uh, as you look towards summer? Yeah, I think, are you talking about like just as a program in general? Yeah. Are you talking about, yeah, I think, I think bringing in the right people. 
you know and, and I think I think every coach wants that is that when you bring in the people who, who want to buy into what you're doing it makes coaching easier it makes it makes things just flow it, it brings your culture together when they're bought into what you're trying to do and that can mean different things to different programs um, but for me it's like it's like you know it's kind of what Jay does it's that grit it's it's coming in with Nevada grit and, and wanting to work in a team for something and and can we get better by the hard work we're going to do and I think you know I, I love Jay saying of Nevada grit it's it's true it's like we want those players who are going to come in and give us their all 100% or whatever percent they have that day you know and I'm always firm believer some days you might not be 100% but give me the best of what you have that day you know and and if all of us are firing in that and giving us the best of what they have that day I think we're in a pretty good position uh, Kylie Minamission Kendall Stovall those are two all conference performers last year and they're coming back mm-hmm. what does that mean for you and how do you maybe kind of curate how you envision the fall based on the knowledge that those two are there? Yeah, I think, I mean, they're, I think they're most importantly, their teammates um, are, are excited about them and their teammates um, are, are believing in them. And I think, you know, when you, when you have um, people on the field who, um, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk, um, it, it's a fanta- it's leadership. And although they were freshmen this past year, I think they played with confidence um, that far exceeded their years. Um, and because of that, I think other kids look towards that and go, man, they're working that hard that that's where I want to be you know and I think that's really exciting to have them coming back and knowing hey they've got three more years um in the silver and blue and and what are they going to do and to achieve even more than they're currently doing and I I absolutely think that they're a tremendous asset to this program last fall you guys started really well Mm -hmm. what do you extract from that and hope to kind of sow throughout the season this year yeah I think that's I think that's a good question in the sense of like what what is what does confidence mean and when you hit a roadblock right you're winning these games and you hit your first loss how do you handle that right because it's you're not going to go through a whole season I mean maybe one or two times a year you know a coach's lifetime you may be undefeated but there's going to be stumbling blocks and I think the big thing for our team when we went that way is like what does it mean when you fail once because everyone's going to fail you're going to fail you're not going to convert your PK or you know you're going to miss a free throw or a critical free throw or something like that and and how do you respond to that mentally and I think that's where we've been talking a lot with our team about we you will face setbacks and what does it mean how do you get through the next thing and I think a lot of it comes down to talking to our team about preparation preparing well allows you to have the confidence to then go out and go I can do this and so uh, this spring is I think it's a been kind of a theme is is you feel confidence you gain confidence not by scoring all the goals but by preparing to score those goals um, and so that's been huge for us um, and kind of a theme of, of the spring you guys had uh, 11 different players score last fall your leading scorer was a freshman what does that say about your culture? <laughs> you mean in terms of a lot of different people scoring or in terms of freshmen scoring? or Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you, you know, you want to have a goal scorer. You want to have a true goal scorer. And if you can get, um, if you look at the, the best teams and the teams who do the most, you've got kids scoring um, a good goal scorer, about 10 or 11 goals, and some other kids sprinkling it in. Um, and that's something, you know, I think you're talking about Peyton Lieb. She did a fantastic job. She scored four or five goals in our wins, and she came in, like, on a hot streak. And I think that she continued that up, upward swing. I think she can get to 10 to 12 and really help us win more games. Um, but, yeah, the, the more people who can score goals and anybody being a threat, that just means that the defense can't mark any one particular player, that if it's not coming from Peyton or or so-called, you know, high score. It's coming from someone else, and being able to share, kind of, I guess, in basketball, sharing the ball and and making sure that if it can't be done by one, then someone else is picking up the slack and and being unpredictable in our offensive threat. I would definitely say. 
How's the conference look, or is it too early to know? Yeah, the conference is always good. You know, it's it's hard to say. I think what's really cool about the Mountain West is that you know, um, you've have you've had different you know Mountain West champions in the past four years. There's been different people winning the conference, and I think that's really cool. I think it's it's cool to see that in any given year you have different people competing, and I think that's inspiring for our players to say, hey, hey, we're not too far. How how do we get there? How do we build on that and get to that to the, get to that point where we're competing for a championship? That's the soccer head coach, Aaron Otagaki. Lee Nelson and the volleyball team wrapping up their spring practices. Coach Nelson's team finished 8-21 last year, but they're returning some key components, including all-league player Kayla Afoa as an outside hitter and setter Dalen Burns. Here's Coach Nelson. The theme of this podcast seems to be the fact that coaches, student-athletes, and administrators are very concentrated correctly so on refining the process fans community supporters of the teams they kind of root for results and so i have to straddle this because i report the results i i comment on them but i also respect and want to fully understand the process and spring for you is a big part of that process i suspect so what is it for your program you bring up a great point. So spring really is about the process, and, and we have a big whiteboard in practice, and the top part of it is trying to understand the how. Let's not be result-driven right now. Let's be process-oriented. Hey, I hit that ball out, but I got my feet there. I hit it high, and I can learn from it. So pretty much everything we're doing in the spring, uh, certainly the first few weeks, was all about process, process. Look, the results will come if we do the process correctly. Um, I think we've had pretty good buy-in uh, for it, but – um, it's hard not to be focused on the results, right? We had a, a great preseason last year, and then once we got to conference, we really struggled. So um, it's finding that balance of just, hey, let's take care of business and let the wins take care of themselves. Um, but if you are worried more about the results um, than the process, then you won't get the results you want. So uh, for us, it's really been about, hey, let's just get better as a team. We'll deal with the fall when the fall's here, um, but let's find uh, the chemistry we need Let's really work on the, the technique that we need to build so we're able to, to translate that into victories uh, into, the, into the fall. And how do you assess your spring? I mean, you, you laid out some goals there, things you wanted to get done, technique, culture, those kinds of things. I mean, did, did you get it done? We got a lot of it done. This is our last week, uh, and we've only had one competition. We had one Saturday. We got to go play down at Sac State. And when we finally got to look at somebody else across the net, it was great. I thought our energy was really good. Uh, we had a lot of people contribute that hadn't been at that in that position previously. Uh, so I see that, and I see us competing, and I'm excited. Um, but I know we have a lot of work to do, right? We, we've gotten better uh, this last week going into practice. The energy so far hasn't been as great, um, and I think it's because it's just us, and, and that's a natural uh, ebb, I think, uh, in energy. So we talked about it, and the, and the girls really picked it up and, and started working hard again. Uh, so I think uh, we've covered a lot. But there's always a lot to cover, and the culture part, I think, right now is really good. We've struggled with that a little bit in the, in the past couple of years, trying to kind of find that vibe. Um, but the team has really been working well together and supporting each other and going hard. Um, and then the key will be, can we um, add the new players that come in in the fall and the summer and keep that culture? Um, because we have 11 people right now that I think are bought in. I think our new people will be, but you know they have to get exposed to it. 
And if we can get that part right, I, I think uh, the other part has improved in well, but it's, it's going to be able to mesh it all together. Let's talk about who you have coming back. I know Dalen Burns is kind of an anchor, um, but, but you have a core returning. Why is that important and what's cool about them specifically? Yeah, uh, we'll start with Dalen. Um, she's, you know, the quarterback for us, right? She's running our offense and, uh, you know, she's a pretty sharp kid, mechanical engineer. And, and you watch her play, she sets like a mechanical engineer. She's very uh, technique oriented. Um, so that's key, having your setter back. That kind of sets the tone for your offense because we run a very fast offense. Um, we have another a bunch of other players that are back. We had so many injuries last year that almost everybody got a little bit of time. Uh, but we've also have a, a redshirt freshman and Maya McClellan who uh, obviously didn't play last year, but who has shown some great strides this spring and kind of uh, maturity and and really becoming someone that could contribute. So um, I think we have some depth. Finally, we'll have at least 17 people on the team. Uh, so if we have to battle injuries again, we'll have a little bit more depth than we did last year. Um, but it, but I think we have a lot of pieces coming back. Uh, Kayla Afoa is always, a, I think, kind of a little bit of a crowd favorite just because she's so undersized for her position. But she does so many things for us and does them really well. Um, defensively, she's like having a second libero in the back row. Uh, she can hit out of the back row. She's explosive. She's quick. Um, and she's going to be smaller than everybody she goes against. So I think uh, a lot of people root for her to be successful and and. I think she finds her rhythm, and she did part of the year last year. She's pretty tough to stop as well as fun to watch. Uh, on the injury front, you guys had injuries last year. That was kind of part of the story. But Bree Souza is back and uh, practicing now at, at the end of the springtime. How important is that? You know, Bree has been one of those players that just uh, – she just works and works and works. And I think it's been driving her crazy. She hasn't really been able to compete in a match for, you know, a year and a half. It was – surgery was December of 2017. So – she got to play in two of the sets uh, a couple weeks ago in SAC. Uh, did well, brings good energy. Um, as frustrated as I think she is from having to sit on the sidelines, she's never wavered in her, in her work ethic. So um, I'm excited to see. We'll get, hopefully get to get her to play a little bit more this weekend coming up, see where she's at because she's a pretty dynamic player when she's able to um, put all the pieces together. It's just she's still somewhat limited in, in – like she won't practice tomorrow, right? She's on some jump counts when she's in there. So – we haven't been able to get her to be crisp like she's capable of just because she hasn't had the time to do it. But we've also recruited some other people in that position that will come in in the fall and give us a little more depth so there won't be uh, pressure on her in the sense of, hey, we've got to have you play whether you're ready or not. The pressure will be, hey, we've got a lot of people in the middle who's going to come out and, and earn the spot. So you talk about returning players and then new players that will come in uh, towards the fall, but you also have somebody new on the staff. Tell us about that. So uh, I just told the team this morning, we have uh, Corinne Wild, who uh, I think is going to be a great addition. Um, she comes from Seattle Pacific University, but she played at Fresno, uh, broke a bunch of records. Uh, from Kingsburg, if you know where that is, a little bit south of, of Fresno, uh, knows the conference, uh, really motivated, very personable, um, very confident. Um, I think she comes in and has a positive impact right away. She's going to fly in tonight. I'll pick her up at the airport. She'll be here for our last few days of practice in our competition uh, when I told the team this morning, uh, they were really excited. She made a great impact on her uh, on her interview when she worked with the team, and I think she brings some some energy and some knowledge. And you know, it wasn't that long ago that she was playing for for Tyson. It was a while ago for me. It was forever ago. Uh, but for Corinne, it was just a, a few years. So I think it's all very fresh in her memory. Um, I think she'll be a great role model for the team, and, and I'm excited to to get her in, in part of the family. I just want to clarify that when you have coaching candidates they interview with your team 
Well, we can do it however we want, um, but we bring them out, and uh, it seemed to make sense to get her involved in the drills. And, you know, she brought some sweats and a T-shirt and jumped in there, and, uh, you know, why not? So, um, you know, I don't think that would be maybe the right role for me to be in, but for her, uh, you know, she's still in great shape, and she's not going to pull a hamstring just stepping over the line. So um, I think it was a big part of it, and, and that's a really important part of her role. Uh, we need someone that's, uh, you know, maybe a little bit closer in age to the players that can really relate to some of the things they're they're facing. And um, the team needs to have someone that they can trust and, and want to work with. And I think she really is going to fit that bill. So spring concludes. And then tell me what happens as you gear up for the fall and the preseason schedule. So, yeah, we'll finish this spring. But, you know, it's only a few months away until we, we come back and start having our double days and get ready in August. Um we're playing three tournaments away. We're actually getting to host this year. Last year, we traveled all four uh, on the road, and I think that was a little bit of a grind. Um, but we'll end that fourth week at home. Um, the other three are relatively close. We'll head over the hill to Sac State, uh, who we'll see this weekend. Uh, they'll also have University of San Francisco will be there, who will be at second weekend. So we'll see both those teams in the fall. Um, so we'll get a taste of, of that right away. Uh, then third week, we're headed up to, to Portland State. Um, I think we can do an all well in all of the tournaments. I think if we come out confident and learn how to play to 25 instead of just to 20, um, there's no reason we can't have a really successful preseason, and, and it's exciting to think about. It's not that far away. That's Lee Nelson, the volleyball coach. Steve Alford has hit the ground running as the new Nevada men's basketball head coach. He's out recruiting. His players are recruiting. There's Operation Packback on Twitter. There's the question about Jordan Brown and where he will be. There's the transfer portal. We covered all of that when I spoke with him on the phone. Here's Coach Alford. Okay, Coach, so when it comes to new coaches, the phrase you often hear is he's got to recruit the locker room first. Um, But I guess if you're following along on Twitter – your existing players on the roster have already been doing some of that recruiting. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, you know, every time you take over, it's um, there's a transition, and I get it. This is the sixth job that I've taken, so I'm used to the transition, and I understand it because I was a player first. I, I think I have a good understanding that, you know, it's not easy on players. Um, you're, you're recruited by one individual, and now all of a sudden somebody else is here, and so, you know, just gaining trust and trying to figure it out. Um, I totally understand what players go through. And, um, you know, they're working hard to, uh, you know, just go through this and understand it and um, make the right decision. And hopefully uh, when it's all said and done, uh, we're going to be good. Let's pretend uh, you're talking to a current University of Nevada basketball student athlete. What What's your pitch? Did I, I don't know where I got this from, but if it were me, I feel like you'd maybe want him to reach out to former players of yours to get a perspective on it. Like, how do you go about doing that? If you're a player? Well, no, if you're you talking to one of a player, one of the players, like, well, I just, you know, I'm just going to be who I am and, and express to them, you know, what I'm like. And I've got a, I've got a track record of 28 years that, you know, it's not like it's a three year track record. It's 28 years of, you know, doing everything I can to, help players and and student athletes be successful not just on the court but in the classroom and and then when they're done you know i think that's something that we we spend an awful lot of time on development and that development piece that we do 
uh, our players get better every year. Uh, but that development piece also is about how it prepares for them life after college, life after basketball. And, you know, so it's about explaining that to them. And then, like you said, you know, here's 28 years of guys that you can look at that um, – and then I let them know what I do. I know what my players or former players are doing and what what fields of work they're in and, and you know, staying in touch with families and those type of things. So you, you just let them know that it's much more than just making baskets. It's, it's a lot more than just uh, putting it in one end and keeping it out of the other. I, I want them to know that uh, it, it's much deeper than that, and hopefully they can – over time, there's that trust that's built, and and you know, but recruiting is a two-way street. It's, you know, it's you got to be both feet in uh, on both sides of it for it to work. And if it's not, then you know, you obviously look for somewhere better to, or somewhere different for you. Uh, let's talk specific names. The biggest name everybody's still uh, knocking about is uh, Jordan Brown. Uh, can you kind of update us on that, or or how does that even work from your end? Well, there's really no update. It's you know, different individuals have different timing and. Jordan's uh, going through his timing of you know figuring things out and uh, what what he wants to do. I, I had a relationship uh, early uh, because we recruited him at UCLA, you know. So I, I've known about him for a long time, and I think he knows. Um, I've told him that um, hey, you're a, you're a key, key part of what we're doing. And you're going to be one of the guys that get marketed at a high level here in year one, and you know you're you're going to be an integral part of what we're doing, but, um, you know, he's, he's trying to figure out, you know, what's just going to be best for him. And I'm just supporting through the process. How does the roster look at this point? Did you maybe have a feel? (laughs) (laughs) Very thin. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's just what it is. Sometimes you inherit a a deep roster. Sometimes you inherit, uh, you know, a, a thin roster. Um, and you know, it's just, it's, it's what it is. And so now, um, I like what we I really, really like what we have. Um, and I think it's a really good core. And now, you know, you kind of get hired just because of timing. It's a little late in the game and we're just trying to catch up as much as we can. And, you know, like I said, it's a win-win. Uh, you sell your program and then you want, uh, uh, it's not about begging. It's about, uh, this is, this is who we are. This is what we are. This is what we're trying to build. This is our culture. Do you want to be a part of it? And, if it's a win-win, then you start adding people to the roster. And uh, so we're actively recruiting every day. Uh, we've got one more day. Tomorrow's the last day that we can be actually away from campus. Um, and then everything is on campus. So we'll be having a lot of different players coming on official visits. I had a coach recently compare the draft at the professional level to recruiting at the collegiate level, whereas teams choose the player in the draft as a pro in college. It's more like the player chooses you. Yeah, yeah, and the, the NBA's paying. Uh, <laughs> right. I would hope that whoever you talk to is not paying. But, um, um, you know, it's it, there are totally different levels, obviously, and uh, but now you've got different rules that affect us. You know, there didn't used to be this transfer portal, and, you know, now you have uh, kids all over the country. We're looking at, oh, here we go, before it's all over with, you're going to near 1,000 kids that put their name in a transfer portal. So it's something that I'm not sure I understand after being a coach for as long as I can, uh, that that's the right system, but it, it's what's in place right now. And it's, uh, it obviously makes things very odd because you really, I'm not sure there are a lot of teams that are going to know their roster until August. And, um, you know, I think that's an odd thing. 
your predecessor used transfers to rapidly move the program into a successful realm. I think it's too reductive to say that you don't use transfers and your predecessor did. Do you have a philosophy about it or are you still kind of figuring out how it's going to fit with this Nevada team? Yeah, we're, I think there'll be a combination of all, you know, so we're, we're figuring on, you know, our biggest focus right now is, is this year and, you know, trying to get as competitively as we can this year. And we will let things, I'll worry about um, next year's recruiting in the next class, maybe a little bit longer, doesn't later, doesn't mean that my assistants aren't working on that, but my focus really is um, about how we can fill out this roster and make us as competitively as we possibly can. So I'm um, not really worried about whether that's, you know, a JUCO transfer or a grad transfer or a freshman uh, in this class. It's really about filling the gaps that we need to get filled. And then I think moving forward, um, you know, our, our culture has had an off as a heavy influence on high school kids, but it doesn't mean we won't go the grad transfer route or the junior college transfer route. Um, um, uh, I'm, I'm about filling in uh, what we think our strengths and weaknesses are and how we can get better as a team. We just want to make sure, regardless of if you're a transfer or your high school, you meet our characteristics of what we want in who you are as a person, um, your concern for academics and your education, and, um, and your unselfishness of being a great teammate. You know, those are things that we want to make sure are paramount in all of our recruiting efforts. You mentioned your coaching staff. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about who's on your staff. I know that Coach Neal is uh, no stranger to your staff, but tell us about who you've brought on board. Well, Coach Coach Neal's my associate head coach, and we've been together for um, we were three three years at Iowa and six at New Mexico, and then I went off uh, became head coach at UCLA. He was the head coach at uh, New Mexico. He's been overseas a little bit as well since we back together. So it's great having him because he brings incredible experience uh, you know I both played in the league he played and coached in the league so there's just great experience which I think that's um, to find that kind of experience on a staff uh, you don't find that across the country so to have two guys that have played in the league and uh, have played at the highest level have experience at the highest level is I think great for your players uh, Bill Dwayne is um, another guy I've added to, uh, he was an assistant in New Orleans uh, he played at Eastern Illinois, so he's a div- former Division One player. A lot of Indiana ties because, for whatever reason, uh, a lot of my staff is from uh, the state of Indiana, or at least got their start from the state of Indiana, and then we've kind of moved around. Uh, but Bill has been in the South and the Midwest mostly, so that gives us a little bit different uh, feel and different part of the country that we can go to in recruiting because Coach Neal and I have been out West. Um, then Coach Corey Barnett uh, is on the staff as well. He was my – uh, director of Ops um, at UCLA. He walked on at Indiana. He's from Indiana, and so he's been out west for the past six years. So we've got kind of the west covered. So adding Bill, I think, was um, a good addition to do that. And then um, Corey offered my uh, oldest son is uh, our director of player development and kind of coordinating recruiting for us as well. Um, and obviously played for me in New Mexico and uh, UCLA and in the last four years he's been on my staff at UCLA and uh, brings a, a lot in regard to kind of the new wave of analytics and uh, those things of organization which is really helping and uh, then Brandon Chambers uh, from Muss's staff uh, is my administrative assistant or director of ops and somebody that I'm uh, been real excited to, to get to know and work alongside he really knows the lay of the land and 
um, really bought into Wolfpack. And so it's something that uh, I think Brandon brings uh, energy to us, um, East Coast guy that's been out west as well. So love how our staff have got a video coordinator yet to bring in, but uh, love how and grad assistants to come after that. But uh, really excited about this staff and just who they are as men and the winning pedigree that they all bring uh, to the program. That's the new Wolfpack head men's basketball coach, Steve Alford. Fans are invited to celebrate the University of Nevada men's basketball team. There's a team banquet coming up on Monday, May 6th at the Reno Ballroom. Go to NevadaWolfpack.com slash hoops dinner to get your tickets. Hope you enjoyed this spring edition of the Wolfpack podcast. We'll talk to you on the radio with the baseball team. So long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>